A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. If you combine pajamas and rubber boots to check on the barn, we welcome you. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Good morning and happy Friday. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you filling in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. I got a rude awakening yesterday when I realized that professionals make things look really easy, don't they? The UW Arlington Sheep Unit is hosting the Sheep Shearing School this week. Roughly 20 students are there from all walks of life, from fiber arts to beginners in the industry to people who have commercial flocks. And they're there to learn how to shear sheep. Well, I took a turn. And I had no idea the physical requirements of sheep shearing. The students did an incredible job. I could only tap in for a minute. My hay baling muscles of my youth are long gone. But I bet everyone is definitely feeling it today. It turns out that you should stretch before you start shearing and wear flat shoes. Those are some of the takeaways I got from the sheep shearing school. You can find pictures of that at Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook. I'll talk about it more with you later in the hour. Until then, we've got a lot for you today. Congress is taking a look at lowering fertilizer prices. Senator Baldwin brings us the details this morning. And we take a field trip to Rock County to visit with a 100-year-old farm that once specialized in tobacco. It's all right here. Well, Wisconsin Farm Technology Day is always looking at innovation, education, and what's new when it comes to Wisconsin agriculture. That was the case in 2023, and it's going to be the case in 2024 and beyond. Joining us now is the new general manager of Wisconsin Farm Technology Days, a face very familiar to those of us that have attended the show and participated, Anna Maynard. Now, let's start right there, Anna, and make sure people understand. You've taken over the reins of leadership and guidance on the Wisconsin Farm Technology Days show uh, explain the board's decision to bring you as general manager and uh, your vision for how the show is going to be placed across the state going forward. Well, thanks, Pam. Um, the board wanted to have some experience going forward. You know, agriculture's in flux. Our organization has always been involved with extension, and that's kind of been going through changes and things. So they wanted to take a new look at how are we going to move forward, how are we going to provide the education in and about agriculture that we've been working on for over 50 years. And um, the answer was, well, let's do some things different. And I proposed to them that let's start working directly with farms. You know, let's go out there and find some farms that really want to have this show and just work with them directly. And the board liked that idea. Um, you know, I've been working with the show since 2000 and uh, worked pretty heavily in Baraboo. And so uh, they decided to uh, give my group the reins and that uh, we can go forward and try our vision of working directly with farms. Outstanding. Let's go back just a bit, Anna, and recap Baraboo, the show location for the 2023 event. It was a different look. It was at site-neutral grounds, but I thought the crowd looked really good. Yeah, I think the show came off very good. The reason we were at kind of a farm neutral site was because the year that that show needed to get set up was our COVID year. Um, the year that we had to 
to select that. Nobody was really stepping forward, so we had to find a location to have the show. We were very pleased with working with the group up there at the Steam and Gas Engine Club. Um, they were very helpful. Um, exhibitors seemed to be very happy. They were seeing quality um, attendees um, selling their products, selling their services. And we were happy with some of the new things we put in place. The Youth Egg Adventure, where kids got their little passport and they walked around and visited different locations. Both the kids and the uh, companies that participated in that felt very um, good about that approach and uh, said they saw more kids than they have in the past. So overall, I think the Bear Blue Show was a great success, and it showed us that there are different ways that this show can be managed and still be very successful. One change that was made uh, prior to this year's show, Anna, was really the categorization of the show itself. Its mission has always remained true, but with dynamic changes in Wisconsin agriculture, dynamic changes within University Extension, which used to be a major partner of the show, the board of directors decided to make a subtle change in how you're classified. Explain that a little bit and why it takes a lot of the really uh, financial responsibility off the shoulders of the show. Yes, well, we decided in 2022 to become a 501c3. So we are now a nonprofit. We've always been a nonprofit, but now we're a, a charitable educational organization. And so um, that was one thing that was an important change that we wanted to make. Our purpose is fulfilling our mission rather than making sure that there's a lot of money in the bank. You know, we, we want to make sure that we're using the funds that we raise to fulfill our mission. So that was very important. And then the idea of working directly with farms. If, if, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the way that we used to work was we would go into a county and see if the, the county, the county board, the egg extension agent, whatever, if they would um, agree to host the show. And then from there, they would go out and find a location. Well, what we're doing now is we're going straight to the cow's mouth. Uh, we're going straight to the farms and saying, if you would like to be a host for Farm Technology Days, we will... Um, contract directly with you. And so that is what we have done for the 25 show. The Clintons are on board for 2025 in Bear Creek over in Wapaka County. And we do have a host for 2026. You'll be seeing that announcement shortly. But uh, we are hearing from farms. We've already heard from farms that are interested in 2027. So um, the show is uh, made this turn, and it seems right now to be a lot of enthusiasm behind farms that want to be the host of the show. Anna Maynard's along with us, the new general manager of Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. And as you probably recognize, Anna, no stranger to the show. And the other thing that I want people to understand, despite the fact that there was that uh, category change, so to speak, in Wisconsin Farm Technology Days, now a 501c3 nonprofit, the Baraboo Show, the 2023 show, still got a chance to make enough money to return to the community. Yes, we made um, $30,000. We gave $30,000 back to the nonprofits in the area. Um, as volunteers came in and worked for the show, we recorded their hours, and then we provided funds back to their charities of choice. 
And so there were 29 different charities that received varying amounts of money um, in excess of $30,000. And so we are still committed to being out there in the areas that we go to for the show. We want that area to be highlighted, and we want to benefit the organizations that are in that area. Let's talk about the 2024 show then, Anna. That has been in play for quite a number of years now. It is, again, not a completely different look, but a little bit of a hybrid. Tell us about Chippewa County, the 2024 show, and where it stands now. Chippewa County is coming along very well. Um, We are now, you know, about nine months out, and so the committees are working hard. We're planning on having field demonstrations again. We haven't, didn't have field demonstrations in 2023, so 2024 we'll see a return to that. You'll see a lot of your favorite things. Um, The horse arena is going to be there. Um, the Rural Event Center that features entertainment, nonprofit organizations. Um, as in 2023, we're going to be having food trucks again. That went over very well in 2023, so that will be returning. Uh, our Innovation Square, Vez Artex, is the um, sponsor for Innovation Square, and Compeer is going to come in and be a sponsor for that. They are all going to focus on innovation in dairy. So that whole area is going to be about what's the latest in dairy. Um, Again, we'll have the very um, popular agribusiness tents where you can walk through and see a large number of companies providing product and services um, throughout. And um, I also wanted to mention Rural Mutual is back in. They're going to be the big sponsor for the Rural Event Center. So Uh, Things are coming together up there, and we're really excited about the show. Now, we mentioned earlier, Anna, the the new directive from the board is that you are going to work directly with farms, and that's fantastic since you've already pretty much got commitments all the way through 2026. But talk to me a little bit about that volunteer corps and how you're going to work to mobilize them. You mentioned one of the other new goals is that Wisconsin Farm Technology Days wants to be a little bit more immersed in a host community before the show. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yes, so we want to get out there and talk to these volunteer organizations, um, you know, whether it's your Kiwanis or it's your, um, you know, um, different organizations, church organizations, school organizations, or whatever. We want to get out into the community and talk to these groups, get them involved, know that there's a benefit for them to be involved in the show. Not only will they learn how to do some new activities, maybe how to have a leadership role, how this whole sort of an event planning uh, process goes on, but they also have an opportunity to raise some funds for their projects um, that are involved. I was really excited in 2023, the Mennonite uh, community came forward. They were one of the big recipients of some funds. They came forward and helped at the 2023 show. So we want to get into these communities, let these nonprofits know that we're going to be there, let them know that we need their help, and in return, we will help them. In fact, in, in Clintonville already for the 2025 show, we're working with the high school there to make benches that we will have used at the show that will then be sold to um, individuals who are interested in in supporting that. And that organization will get the proceeds from from that. So, yes, we want to become more immersed. 
when we go into a community, we want that community to say, wow, they're coming here. This is really going to benefit us. And, and that's one of our goals. Anna Maynard, again, the new general manager of Wisconsin Farm Technology Days, a show she is obviously very, very familiar with, already lined up with shows 2024, 2025, and very soon she'll make it official who the 2026 host will be as well. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Freeing up your time for the holidays is at the top of our list. When you choose BioVet microbial and nutritional products to keep your livestock out of the sick pen and healthy, you'll enjoy more time with your family this holiday season. Many thanks and warm wishes from our BioVet family to yours. Learn more about how BioVet can save you time and money on your farm by calling 1-800-BIOVET-1 or visit bio-vet.com. Innovation. Your healthcare journey in a hospital system can give you the heebie-jeebies. From navigating the parking garage to sitting in the crowded waiting room worrying about the results and cost. MH Imaging in Middleton performs MRIs, CTs, X-rays, and ultrasounds for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And parking is just a few steps away. Results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. Yes, welcome. It's time now for our Compere Financial Egg Weather Forecast. Egg meteorologist Stu Muck is on the line with us. Stu, I've got to be honest with you, it doesn't feel like December because I, A, I haven't been cursing the windshield in the morning, and B, I haven't been wishing that I had a remote start just yet. So is that going to change anytime soon, or are we still in for some mild forecasts it's a pretty mild forecast going to stick around with us stephanie no doubt about that but there is some precipitation chance there's a little rainfall we have to talk about some of that development from oklahoma into eastern kansas southeast nebraska this morning and scattered up into western minnesota off to northeast minnesota far northwest wisconsin as well a little light rain trying to edge in Uh, especially in the northwest early this morning. For most of us then, in central and southern parts of Wisconsin, that chance of rain may not develop until quite late tonight. 
well after sundown, could be even after midnight as we head toward early Saturday morning and rain a little more likely later Saturday into Saturday evening. What's happening is low pressure, a stronger system down to the southwest is going to push right up toward northern or northeast parts of Illinois by late Saturday, maybe into northwest Indiana. And a front tries to drop in from the north at the same time. So these two features working together, some moist air building up from the south, of course, mild air after those temperatures of yesterday, we all got pretty spoiled. I see Madison and La Crosse both hit 51. And I, where did I see it? Uh, Sheboygan actually hit uh, 52. So very, very mild around southern Wisconsin. Uh, we'll have another fairly mild day today. But then that rain chance starts to move in. That moisture building up out of the south. The cool front swinging in from the northwest. Could account for rain for most of us. A tenth of an inch or less, maybe a couple of tenths in western Wisconsin. That's about the worst it's going to be. And we're talking about rain, maybe a stray snowflake, and that's about all. And that could be confined to far northern Wisconsin. And then we'll begin to dry it out. Yes, we cool off a little bit towards Sunday and Monday. But those mild temperatures return back into the upper 30s and 40s as we head toward Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, even Friday of next week. Much more mild air still holding on. Temps around 40 or so. That's above normal for this time of the year. And that kind of limits that car starting to keep it warmed up for a long time because it's just not quite that cool. I'll have forecast details right after this. When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual provides all lines of insurance, including commercial, farm, home, and auto. And your premiums stay right here to keep Wisconsin strong. Local agents, local underwriters, local claims adjusters. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. The good or the bad news, Stu, with uh, above normal temps, maybe not a white Christmas this year so far. But the good news is that with the chance of rain coming, I don't think we have to worry too much about ice if we're traveling for the holidays this weekend. Is that right? Yeah, I think we're going to be all right. There is that possibility, you know, late tonight, early tomorrow, you could find a few slippery spots or stretches and then maybe towards Saturday night. But temps just aren't going to cool that much to make this an ice storm or anything. It just may freeze when it gets around. Our Compere Financial Ag weather forecast does call for the development of a mostly cloudy day. A little better chance to have some sun in the east and south. Look for temps in the upper 40s, 48, 49. South winds will be around 5. Mostly cloudy and late tonight some rain may develop. We fall to the mid-30s with southeast winds at 5. Cloudy skies Saturday, rain, especially midday or into the afternoon, a tenth of an inch or so. Low 40s for highs. Southeast winds will be around 5 to 10. Any kind of rain ending Saturday night. And by Sunday, mostly cloudy, a little cooler. Very low 40s, maybe an upper 30 at La Crosse. West winds about 5 to 10. Even Monday, Stephanie, we may see some upper 20s or only about 30 for a high. And then it turns around back up into the 30s and low 40s heading toward mid part of next week. So still mild even as we head into the second half of December. Any news later in the forecast, even if you're looking at that 10 day in which we will see more precipitation, whether it's snow, rain, ice, anything to be aware of? Not much in there. I'll tell you that it's kind of quiet and mild. Not a whole lot of news on a Friday, but when it comes to the weather, maybe that's a good thing, Stu. Have a good weekend. Less thinking about it. You too. Take care.
That was your Compeer Financial Egg Weather Update. Compeer Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. You can visit Compeer.com. And don't forget to let us know what you're seeing outside. We're aware that weather can change county to county, even field to field. So tell us what you're seeing outside. Send us a text at 877-301-FARM. Again, that's 877-301-3276. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com, over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost-conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank-you note. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation. ActuateLLC.com Design, create, actuate. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. 
When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana and vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. So, Rob, speaking of injuries and whatnot, uh, moving forward here to the Battle of the Bays uh, up at Lambeau on Sunday. Packers pretty banged up offensively, man. What's going on with, like, um, uh, you know, all the wide receivers now with injury? It's just another week in Green Bay, people. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you look at Green Bay's, um, you know, injury report from yesterday. I'm, I'm trying to recall here. I think there were 14 or 15 guys on it. Tampa's comes out. There's seven or eight on that. And I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I don't, they, things are just different, I guess, in Green Bay. Um, was Aaron Jones going to play? They held, I mean, he was limited in practice, right? And then uh, they held him out of Monday night. Do you think Jones plays Sunday? There's, there's a weapon I back. Talked to, I talked to him. Talked to him a bit about it yesterday, obviously tight-lipped and, and guarded. The one thing he did reveal to me that I thought was interesting is he said one of the reasons they held him out Monday, and he, he said he, you know, I, I asked him, because I, he practiced last Saturday a little bit, and, and I said, did you think after Saturday you could go Monday? And he said, no. He said, I knew right away I couldn't go Monday. He said, but but part of the deal with, with holding me out Monday was to keep was was to give me a chance to play against Tampa Bay. So I hate to make any predictions with this team, Evo, on a on a Thursday because more more often than not, and you've seen this through the course of the year, we think guys are on track to play. Like Jair, and for then they just and then they just simply don't. Right? I mean, who knows when we'll see Jair Alexander again? They didn't even bring him to New York the other day with them, which, which, you know, there's, there's something more. And, and, and it's one of the things I, and a lot of people want to try to find out evil. There's something more going on with Jair Alexander. I'm not putting it in the David Bakhtiari category yet with that shoulder injury and, and how guarded they are and how weird this whole thing has been, but this has been weird. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people thought Alexander would have been back two, three weeks ago. He's not. And, and, and again, it's, their common practice for those that don't know is to bring these injured guys with them on road trips and, and keep them part of the team and keep them active. And Jair did not go 
on that New York trip. Now they, they wrote it off and said it was, you know, part of his treatment and his medical type stuff needed to be addressed back here at, at home and stuff like that. But, but you, you could, you could make that case and, and, and have that same song and dance for any of these injured guys. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, I mean, Evo, if you really had to ask me on a Thursday to predict, and this is really difficult, I'd probably say no on Alexander. I think they try to steal 20 snaps out of Aaron Jones, probably a no out of Christian Watson and that hammy. They'll be unbelievably careful with that and and, and, and try to take that, you know, uh, another week or two. Jaden Reed's the toughest SOB they maybe have in that locker room and one of the tougher tougher guys they've had come through uh, little guy since Donald Driver. I mean, he is one tough sucker. Um, so he's got the ankle right now on top of some other stuff that, that he's been dinged with through the course of the year. But but we're talking about, what, a Flint, Michigan guy? I mean, yeah, Jaden Reed plays. Jaden Reed's a tough sucker. Um, yeah. Dontavian Wicks has that ankle. A tough one to call, I guess, at, at this point in time. But, but you're right, Evo. They're really beat up at that position. So, I mean – a lot of people immediately, and this is just how the world works, right? They say Jordan Love had this terrible game, blah, 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 blah. I mean, Jordan Love was playing with a really short deck, and Jordan Love wasn't good the other night. Don't get me wrong. Jordan Love missed a lot of open throws and, and stuff like that. But Jordan, but Jordan Love was also working with a really you, – you talk about Joe Barry working with a short deck. Jordan Love was working with a, with a really short deck, not, you know, not having some wideouts, not having his number one running back things like that. The offensive line, not having a great night. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how the next 48 hours or so play out Evo. Yep. Um, but I, but I would, I would certainly think out of, out of, uh, out of these injured guys, uh, the, the, there's, you know, three or four really key ones again that are going to miss. Hi Rob, bring it all home for me uh, up against the break. What happens Sunday against the Buccaneers? I think they rebound pretty well. I, I, I really do. I, I think that whole NFC South is bad. Um, I think Santa Baker Mayfield, who we remember came to Lambeau two years ago on Christmas and gave the Packers four interceptions, gives them a couple more on, uh, on, on Sunday. I was, I was joking with Kenny Clark about that yesterday. I, I, I said, you know, you remember back in the day, Charles Woodson always said, give, give Jay Cutler enough time. He's going to give you a couple of picks, right? He's going to throw a couple to you. That, that's kind of Baker Mayfield these days. I think Baker Mayfield makes more critical mistakes in this game than Jordan Love and the Packers offense does. Um, I think Green Bay wins the turnover battle and I think Green Bay bounces back. Even though they'll be shorthanded again, I, I, I still think they have enough to get it done. It's not going to be easy though. I'm going to say like 26, 20 Green Bay. Here, money grows in rows. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back on a Friday morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff, filling in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. Today, we'll see a mix of clouds and sun during the morning. That will give way to cloudy skies this afternoon with a high of 48 degrees. Winds will be light and variable into the evening with a low of 36. You can expect light rain to kick off the weekend tomorrow. According to the Old Farmer's Almanac, conditions are ripe for a logging project today. It's also a good time to set posts or pour concrete, so maybe move those projects up on your to-do list. Also in the Old Farmer's Almanac this morning, we're in a good fishing window. The best fishing days for 2023 are when the moon is between new and full, and that window is now until December 26th. 
Senator Tammy Baldwin has teamed up with colleagues in Iowa to introduce a bill that aims to lower fertilizer prices. The Fertilizer Research Act would essentially lay the groundwork for future fertilizer policy. The bill would require the U.S. Department of Agriculture to study competition and trends in the fertilizer market. Senator Baldwin says it would provide much-needed transparency for farmers. She tells us why fertilizer was brought to her attention. We've seen some incredible price volatility with regard to fertilizer recently, and high price of fertilizer is something I hear about a lot from Wisconsin farmers. So that's partly the reason for the focus. The numbers are really staggering. Over 30% of last growing season's input costs were the price of fertilizer. At the same time, our farmers have very little insight into how these prices are determined. So this legislation, we're hoping, will really pull back the veil on the competition within this market and be able to help us form solutions to address these high costs that our farmers are facing. And I'd add that high fertilizer prices don't just affect our hardworking farmers. Elevated prices can mean uh, that farmers limit the amount uh, that they plant, and that means higher prices in the grocery store. Senator, when it comes to finding transparency with fertilizer prices, what are some of those answers that you're looking for with this legislation? We want to... uh, get the U.S. Department of Agriculture to really update its research on the fertilizer industry. We specifically think that they need to look at how uh, the fertilizer markets impact the prices we see at the grocery store. We want to see market trends over a number of years. We want to see more information about imported uh, fertilizers, and most of the fertilizers that farmers use are imported We want to see the uh, impacts of anti-dumping and countervailing duties and tariffs and the like. We want to see how concentrated this industry is. Is there basically a monopoly or a duopoly or is there adequate competition there? And we'd love to get greater information on emerging fertilizer technologies uh, so that we maybe wouldn't be as dependent in the future on the import markets. There's a, a lot of questions we have out there that we intend to get the U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, answering. Between you, your colleagues, and even your constituents, do you find that there's suspicion regarding the fertilizer industry? Like, do you expect to find any instances of price gouging or wrongdoing that you're looking to address? Well, we don't start with that supposition. We start with the idea that there's just a basic lack of transparency. And when you see uh, uh, the prices spike the way they did, we are very concerned about how this impacts our hardworking farmers. One of the things that we saw that we want more answers on is what impact did Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine have on the prices? Is there a direct correlation between high fertilizer prices and the supply disruptions that were caused uh, when when Russia invaded Ukraine. It seems like there may be really something there that we need to better understand. And are we too dependent on one region of the world for uh, fertilizer products? This legislation would lay the groundwork, right, for learning more about the fertilizer supply chain 
again, as you said, bring transparency to the industry for the consumer and for farmers. Can you give me an example, though, of policy that might come out of this research that would immediately work to lower fertilizer prices? Well, if we have adequate inquiry into maybe alternative fertilizer technologies, maybe there's a a domestic product that we can incentivize. But at this point, I just think we need we need answers to a lot of questions. And and when you know when our farmers are literally thirty percent of their input costs are the cost of fertilizer, that is a big deal. And while I'm heartened by the fact that fertilizer prices have dropped nearly sixty six percent since their all time highs last year, fertilizer is still about twenty percent higher than the pre COVID prices that farmers were paying in 2019. You know, we think, again, Russia's invasion of Ukraine exacerbated the limited fertilizer supply situation, but we, um, we need greater insight. Senator Tammy Baldwin along with us speaking to the Fertilizer Research Act that aims to bring transparency to fertilizer prices and lay the groundwork to advance policy that would reduce those prices. It's already garnered support from the Wisconsin Corn Growers Association. This is among the stories you can find at MidwestFarmReport.com, and it was delivered to your email inbox this morning if you're signed up to get our morning e-newsletter. If you're not already signed up, you can do that at our website. A story that will be on our website later today, the sheep shearing school is happening now at the UW-Arlington Sheep Unit. The sheep unit is part of the Arlington Agricultural Research Station. It consists of about 50 acres and has two main barns that house about 300 head of ewes and their lambs. And this week, those ewes are getting a haircut by about 20 students. Josh Huber joins us. He's one of the instructors at the annual Sheep Shearing School. He's the third generation at Huber Sheep Shearing out of the Wisconsin Dells. It's truly an art form that's been passed down through the generations, and he's happy to share this tradition with people interested in the sheep industry. So I've been teaching at the shearing school for probably 10 plus years now. We're one of those shearing schools where you're getting learn the beginning basics, and then from there on, it's just practice. Give me a sense of the type of people that usually want to learn. We're seeing anybody from 15, 16 years old all the way up to 70 years old. It can be somebody that wants to learn how to shear sheep and travel the state shearing for other farmers. It can be somebody that can't find a sheep shearer and wants to shear their own. Or it can just be somebody that saw shearing school and curious what it was about. I didn't realize how labor intensive shearing sheep is. It takes a lot of muscle to do that. I mean, what's the feedback you're getting from people who may have not have done this before? We always say when we're teaching the shearing school on the first day, we're going to turn out a few types of sheep shearers from the class. One is going to be one that travels around the state, shears for other farmers. Second is just going to do enough to shear their own flock at home. Third is they're going to be looking for a sheep shearer because they didn't realize how hard it is. It's a very labor-intensive practice, but it's something that once you build the muscle memory for it, it's like riding a bike. You just keep doing it. It's repetition, and that's how we learn. When I started, it was going every Saturday with my dad and my grandpa and brothers. And if we sheared one sheep for the first day, we were doing great. Now we're shearing 70, 80, 100 sheep in a day. But it's also been 15 years since I started doing this. You get nervous because you're kind of manhandling the animal, but, but they're pretty comfortable sitting there getting a haircut. 
So when we're shearing sheep, we do it in the most comfortable position possible for us as a shearer and the sheep. We're trying to shear the sheep in, when I do it, it's about three to five minutes on most sheep. We're stretching them out so that we're not cutting wrinkles on the sheep, providing any nicks. That's something that we don't want to do personally, and it's bad for the sheep when we expose some of that. When we lay them down, any time that we stop, we can leave them, take our hands off the sheep, and they're comfortable to lay in that position. It's all how we hold our feet, hold our hands, and squeeze the sheep a little bit with our legs to make sure that they're comfortable throughout all times. Josh Huber of Huber Sheep Shearing giving us a sense of what the sheep shearing school is like at the UW Sheep Unit in Arlington. Taking a look at our markets on a Friday morning from Chicago, cash corn is up a quarter of a cent at four seventy nine and a half. Twenty twenty four new crop corn is also up a quarter of a penny at five oh eight and three quarters. Cash beans are up two and a quarter cents at thirteen sixteen and a quarter. And twenty twenty four new crop beans are down a penny and a half at twelve seventy nine and a quarter. Cash wheat is up a half a cent at six sixteen and a quarter. And new crop wheat is down a quarter of a cent at six thirty one and a quarter. The January Class 3 milk contract is down 9 cents at 16.15 a hundredweight. February milk is down 8 cents at 16.26. We'll take a field trip to Rock County Century Farm next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Sweet of Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. Who was your hero when you were a kid? Neil Armstrong or Louis Armstrong? Roberto Clemente or Walter Cronkite? Rosa Parks or Sally Ride? You're the right age to do something you can be remembered for. Register to become an organ and tissue donor. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s or beyond, any age is the right age to donate the gift of life. Learn how at organdonor.gov or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Berkshire Automotive family for the yes. At Berkshire Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Berkshire Automotive. Join the Berkshire Automotive family for the yes. Join the Did the chickens come home to roost last night? We'll find out. This is the Midwest Farm Report. What an honor it is to be recognizing farms and homesteads 
that have been in the same family for more than 100 or 150 years. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report, and we're bringing these family farm stories to you at MidwestFarmReport.com, courtesy of Compere Financial. One farm being recognized is the farm of Bernard Wellnitz. This Rock County farm's history dates back over 100 years. Bernard shares more about the history of the farm. So they acquired a farm in 1923, and they basically bought it from a neighbor. My grandfather actually bought it. What were the buildings on it, the size, the acreage? Take me through what that original farm was back then. It's basically a 160-acre farm, but now it's like 151. There's a railroad track that goes through it. It took out like seven acres. And then my my brother-in-law and sister bought like uh, a couple acres off the farm to build a house. Back in 1977, I would believe. They had dairy. They raised dairy, uh, milk Holstein, and they raised crossbred pigs, and they actually grew tobacco, too. So what were those first years like? You know, of course, in 1936, it was very dry. I always remember him talking about that. A couple years there in the 30s, it was very dry. I can always remember him talking, struggling through that. In 1976, I think through Wisconsin, if you talk to a lot of farmers, they always remember an ice storm that come through the beginning of March uh, in 1976. Uh, I mean, we lost power from uh, a Monday and didn't regain power until Saturday um, just because of all the damage. And that was a major ice storm throughout the state. Uh, I think it went into Iowa. And, and So that was a big thing. My dad actually happened to go in the hospital for a surgery on Monday, and I was just a freshman in high school. So me and my cousin was left behind to do the chores, and we had to figure out ways to get the cow's milk and cool the milk. And my brother-in-law, he was an electrician and worked for an electrical contractor and was able to get us a generator uh, to help out. So that was a tough one. Uh, Then going on in 1978-79 was a terrible winter. Um, We had uh, snows and wind blew that we were snowed in for um, four or five days at a time, a couple different times. You know, just trying to deal with the milk and not being able to get, you know, milk trucks in and out. So that was a tough one. And then in 1992, on Father's Day, June 21st, we had a frost that um, if you talk to any farmers in, in, in the state of Wisconsin, surely remember that because it really messed up the corn that year. We could never get the corn right that fall in 1992. Um so you couldn't make much dry corn, a lot of silage. Uh, also, too, back in the early 70s, I think 72 to 74 were very wet years. I remember my dad couldn't farm the fields. So that was some of the difficult times. What are some of the stories that maybe have been passed down from generation to generation about those early days on the farm? Uh, one was when they built the house. They took the old house down. And they moved, uh, so they built it in the summer of 1936. They took the old house down, but they moved the kind of the bedroom part, and they slid that off to the side. And my grandpa and grandma lived in that part where they were building the house. And then they had uh, 11 kids all together. So the seven boys lived like in a garage. They put cots up for the summer. They lived in the garage. And then the, um, the girls moved up to a neighbor's place about a mile up the road. And stayed there for the summer when they built the house. When they built the house, the house was a lot of the lumber. Since we, since then, actually, this last year we had a big remodel. But when you get into the house, you can tell a lot of the lumber was uh, used someplace else because of the way you know the cuts in it. And I know the brick was taken 
also from another house they took down is my aunt's and my dad always talks about knocking the old mortar off and doing that when the uh, guy was uh, building the house, you know, with a, with a brick. Um, so they always talked about that. What improvements have been made or changes on the farm from then till now? Right now, I uh, leased the land out. I quit milking in 1994 and sold the cows. And then since then, I, I raised steers for a while. And um, other than that, I leased the land out to my brother-in-law. And so that was a big thing when we sold the cows in 1994. How was the farm passed on? Uh, so my dad bought it from my grandpa on, on a land contract. And then I bought it from my dad on a land contract. I bought it, um, I'm going to say, i am not got the exact date my dad bought it. I'm going to say, oh, I would say mid-60s. My dad bought it from my grandpa. And then in 1986, I bought it from my parents on a land contract. What are some of your favorite memories on the farm? Of course, uh, raising my kids. I, I got uh, four daughters and a son that raised, and they all helped with chores. I think back in uh, when I was, like, in school, my dad and my uncles all worked together. And, of course, when my uncles come over, they brought their kids, so it would be my cousins. Uh, we all used to bale hay and, you know, chop corn silage and pick corn. So I, I had six sisters, and I was the only uh, boy in the family. So I always loved it when my boy cousins could come over and help because, you know, then they usually ended up, one of them would always stay overnight. So that was kind of my summer, working and, and spending time with my cousins. What do you think makes your farm unique? Unique? Uh, I think the way we kept the buildings up. We always kept them painted, and so today they're, um, everybody always praises us on how nice the buildings look. And um, we always kept things up. We keep things uh, in good shape. You mentioned your children. So what is the future of the farm? What do you think is going to happen? Is there a future generation interested in taking it over? What do you think the next steps are? Yeah, so I do have a son-in-law that farms. So I would guess that would be my you know, first choice if it works out. We haven't really talked about it. But I do have a son-in-law that farms, him and my daughter. I mean, they got other uh, off-the-farm jobs too, but they, they farm. So I guess that would be my first choice. If not, I got nephews at farm, so one of my nephews. That would be my first choice. <laughs> and then is there anything else that you would like to share about your farm, the history of it, or the, anything that really helps tell your story? Our families are all very big. My grandpa had 11 uh, kids also, and we couldn't make it happen this year. But next year, uh, being, uh, you know, Farms of Century Farm, we're going to have a big family reunion on our farm with all the descendants. So that's a big thing we got coming up. Bernard Wellnitz shares the story of his family farm in Rock County. The Century Farm Program originated as part of Wisconsin's centennial celebration in 1948. Each year, about 100 properties are honored. You can listen to some of these stories at MidwestFarmReport.com. These stories are brought to you courtesy of Compere Financial.